True love emerging after one night, a man's life changed forever by an accident, gaslighting, or the ultimate nightmare? All these can only mean one thing. We're comparing Open Your Eyes and Vanilla Sky on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake, the podcast where we discuss films and their remakes. Join us as we explore the question, should the remake exist? Today's films are Open Your Eyes and Vanilla Sky. So let's get right into it. Open Your Eyes, made in 1997, starring Eduardo Noriega, Penelope Cruz, Fele Martinez, Najwa Namiri, Chet Lira and Gerard Berry. Directed by Alejandro Amenabar. Screenplay by Alejandro Amenabar and Matteo Gill. Music by Alejandro Amenabar and Mariano Marin. Vanilla Sky 2001, starring Tom Cruise, Penelope Cruz again, Jason Lee, Cameron Diaz, Kurt Russell, Noah Taylor, and there's a little cameo there by Michael Shannon, which I didn't notice before. Directed by Cameron Crowe, screenplay by Cameron Crowe, and music by Nancy Wilson. Okay, so this is an interesting one because this is, I think, the first remake, or I think this is the first episode of the show where we have somebody starring in the same role in both films. So this will be an interesting discussion. But what are your first experiences with either film, Reggie? Absolutely. First experience with these films is this episode. Uh, I've never watched either movie before. The discussion that we're going to have today to your point just now i think it is interesting that we have someone doing a recurring character in the longest yard there was an actor that came back well mm-hmm. honestly two actually when we go back and look at the longest yard remake they're not really playing the same role no this is very unique and i think this may be one of the only times where we see someone play the exact same role in both films yeah and i have seen both of these films before I saw Vanilla Sky kind of around the time it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but my friend had it on DVD, and he let me borrow it. So, And I was just, whoa, <laughs> what was that? Was, I thought it was a crazy film. And then I guess I watched the original years later just because I was curious to see how the remake was different. There you go. All right, anything else, or should we just get into well, the synopsis? Well, I wish someone had told me what I was getting into oh <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you you'd seen them because uh we're gonna get into it obviously from the synopsis but from the beginning i was like okay this is an insane movie and the whole time i'm watching the original i'm like well i gotta see tom cruise take on this, this <laughs> so i guess it was good that i was surprised i had no expectations going in and i guess my expectations were exceeded because i was not expecting what i <laughs> what did you think it was did you think it was just like a romantic I, movie or I, something I guess I just you know when you look at the titles and you look at sort of the uh, the marketing I, I don't know I just saw there's Tom Cruise and there's a sky behind him and I'm like all right what's this about and like you see some of the people that are in it and I I didn't know if it was a thriller I didn't know if it was a romance I I just knew it was a movie with Tom Cruise which is maybe why I never saw it before <laughs> All right so let's try to <laughs> 
clear the air of any confusion. But let's go over the synopsis here. It's a little lengthy. It's probably the longest one I've written because there's so many crazy things happening. Also, none of the names are the same except for Penelope Cruz's character, Sophia. So just bear with me as I try sure. to get through this. The protagonist has it made. He's the wealthy, carefree head of a corporation. He's young, good-looking, and gets all the girls. He has a party where his friend brings a girl, Sophia. He is immediately attracted to her, despite the fact that she came with his friend. The protagonist and Sophia flirt in private while the party is still going on. Meanwhile, a side girl the protagonist has been sleeping with is also at the party. She wants to be with the protagonist, but he doesn't want to be in a relationship with her. Eventually, the protagonist and Sophia leave the party to go to her place, where a true love blossoms. They don't sleep together, but Sophia agrees to see the protagonist again. As he's leaving her place, the side girl approaches in her car. She offers to sleep with him again, no strings attached. He accepts and goes in the car with her. On the ride to her place, she goes crazy with jealousy and crashes the car. The crash kills her instantly and seriously injures the protagonist. We actually learn that none of this is happening now. Now the protagonist is in a jail cell, wearing a mask, telling this story to a doctor. The protagonist is in jail for murder, and the doctor is trying to find some info on someone called Ellie. After the protagonist wakes up from the car accident, his face is severely disfigured. Surgeons can do nothing to fix it. The protagonist tries to get back with Sophia, and she agrees to go out with him. They meet at a club with his best friend acting as chaperone. The protagonist gets drunk, annoys Sophia and his friend, and is left alone on the streets to pass out. When the protagonist wakes up, Sophia is there and willing to give their relationship a try. Things start to turn around for the protagonist as not only does his relationship with Sophia get stronger, but the surgeons are able to fix his face. Things all seem well when suddenly Sophia goes missing and in her place is the side girl who is supposed to be dead. She claims that she is Sophia. The protagonist then goes to jail for beating Sophia while proclaiming that that's not her. The protagonist then meets a man at a bar who claims that things aren't quite as they seem and the protagonist has more control over everything than he realizes. After that bizarre encounter, the protagonist goes back to Sophia's place and she has returned. They make love and in the middle, Sophia turns into the side girl. Confused out of his mind, the protagonist kills her. He flees and then his face is disfigured again. All cut up on the story in the jail cell, the protagonist finally learns who Ellie is. It's not a person, but a corporation, Life Extension, or LE. They go to LE and they learn about cryo-freezing and a lucid dream package. When you are frozen, you can dream about whatever you want. The protagonist realizes he's done this, but his dream is now a nightmare. He runs away and finally encounters tech support. Everything is explained to him. He never saw Sophia again after that drunk night, and he's been in cryo-freeze for 150 years. Everything since waking up on that street with Sophia has been fake. He is then told that he can wake up and get his face fixed or remain in the dream. He decides to wake up but says goodbye to Sophia one last time. He then jumps off the roof, the screen goes black, and we hear a woman say, open your eyes. Okay, did I lose anybody there? <laughs> you probably lost a few people and uh, I don't envy you having to read that. I didn't. <laughs> it was pretty rough to read, write, and whatever. But that's the story. If if yeah, and if anybody listening to this has not seen either of these movies, do yourself Stop a, yeah. and watch them. Yeah, because th- it's not going to make any sense what we're talking about because it, it's pretty confusing. This is the one time where I would say this is required watching before listening to the podcast. Absolutely. And uh, 
like I said, none of the names are the same except for Sophia's, but a lot of the plot is the same. That's how I was able to really yeah. get into details there. So where do you want to start with this comparison, Reggie? I mean, the most obvious thing, we'll get into character work. We should talk about our protagonist. That takes us to Caesar versus David. I don't know, you have that basically more or less the same opening where you're, you're introduced to these characters, the way that they're they're acting, looking at themselves in the mirror, the cars that they're driving. It's very obvious that you're talking about two wealthy people here that I don't know if you're going to be able to tell that they're narcissists, but you can see that they care about their appearance. Well, Caesar's actually not driving a fancy car. He's driving some old Volkswagen Beetle, and his friend even calls him out on it. He's like, you have all this money. Why are you driving this car? That's a good point, actually. You're right. You're right. I think these movies just start blending together so much. <laughs> no, you're right. But they are both narcissists. They're both like very self-involved and kind of in their own worlds and pretty selfish and don't really care too much about other people. Yeah. I think I think the remake tries to make that more apparent. He spends a little bit more time in the mirror. Like you said, the car is significantly fancier in the remake mm-hmm. uh, versus the original. Tom Cruise lets you know very early on what he cares about and his money and himself. Uh, you make a good point, and we're going to get into this a little bit, about Paleo in the first film and him sort of ribbing in into uh, Caesar a little bit. I think you get a little bit more of that dynamic in that original film. And, you know, we'll get into the Paleo character, but before really diving into that, I think that it feels a little bit more natural to me when uh, those actors are interacting with each other. The movie feels, probably because we're talking about like a Hollywood budget versus a different type of film, the movie feels a little bit smaller and more personal to me in the original than in the remake. And I think that that sort of flavors my feelings about Caesar versus David. I don't know if you have that same opinion. I guess I could sort of see that. I think what also kind of helps is the location, right? The original takes place in Madrid, Spain. The remake takes place in New York, New York. And... Yeah, I don't know too much about Madrid, right? Or like how much money it costs to live there. But I know if you got that luxury apartment in New York overlooking Central Park, you are rolling in a lot of money. So that definitely helps feel bigger. For sure. And both opening sequences have that sort of your protagonist driving along and the streets are more or less empty. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I don't know a lot about Madrid. I took in the fact that the character was confused by why there wasn't more traffic. But when you're looking at New York, you're yeah. looking at Times Square. It's like Times Square empty at any time. <laughs> that, that's insane because yeah. that, that city, it never sleeps. And they, that was shot on location. That's not special effects or anything. They actually shut down Times Square. Wow. To do that. Yeah, it was a Sunday morning so when they guess would have the least amount of traffic. But sure. it's still impressive to shoot anything in Times Square and get rid of all the people. It's really impressive. I didn't know that that was a practical effect. I thought that they would have had to have uh, used some sort of CGI or something like that. But that's actually very impressive. When you when you talk about New York versus Madrid, in the difference in the two films, you see David's wealth much more obviously in yeah. the remake versus Caesar's wealth, which is more not implied, but it, it's said. You know, they're mm-hmm. like he has money. Yeah, like this guy's a publisher in New York City for like a major magazine. And that that comes into play and it makes him 
his cockiness makes a lot of sense in the remake because he's like not not just a rich guy, he's ultra wealthy. Yeah. In the original, there's some ambiguity there. It's like, okay, he's rich and you know, the surgery he's looking for seems expensive, but like I like I know he's rich, but I don't see the exact same type of wealth that we're talking about where we're like Tom Cruise could end up on like Time magazine as like person of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what helps it like you were saying, kind of feel a little more personal because Caesar's wealth isn't out on display and like you said, we never really see him do any work. Like in the remake, you see David go to his place of business. You see the other uh, owners of the company there, and you see him like just working uh, with uh, his assistant Tibbs and everything. And you see his wealth all around him. And it's almost like in the original, the it doesn't really matter too much that he's wealthy. He could almost just be a regular dude that's good looking. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got more of a, I got more of a sort of Playboy vibe based off of his looks versus wealth. It's like, it helps that he's, he's got money. Right. But that guy seemed to me to be, um, you know, everyone's talking about how attractive he is and stuff like that. I'm not getting the exact same read off of Tom Cruise. Like, sure. He's a good looking guy, but it didn't seem like people were like, Oh my God, he's so handsome. It seems like he's so <laughs> rich. Yeah. It can definitely. translate to the same thing. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's still Tom Cruise in early 2000s, you know. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's not an ugly guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Not by any stretch. Um, and it's fascinating that the, the extra exposition in, that you're seeing where you're right, he's interacting with Tibbs, he's interacting with people in his office, he's supposed to pick the font, and he, you know, he, he's kind of like fucking off from his responsibilities in, in a way that a rascal with all the people around him and maybe it's because we get a chance to see him interact with more people than you get to see Caesar interact with, which again leads back to sort of my my take that that movie feels a little bit more intimate because there's just less players in the film and the interpersonal relationships come into play a bit. But uh, Tom Cruise, don't get me wrong, I, I think it's interesting. I think he's doing a, a phenomenal job of playing the role, but the role is much bigger and the yeah. stakes are much higher. Which, before getting too deep into like, for instance, the partners versus the uh, the board, like that that interplay is much different between the two films. The partners are never seen, yeah, in the film, whereas the board is like right there from the beginning. It goes back to me saying like it's it's almost like it doesn't really matter that he's wealthy in the first film because all that stuff doesn't really come into play. It's <laughs> sort of hearsay. It's like maybe they're against me, but they don't really play on it as much as the remake does like maybe it is the seven dwarves that are out to get david and they're gaslighting him sure well that's uh it's interesting you say that because those things don't come into play and they're not seen i think part of what the original gets away with more with the character is this mystery there's not a lot that we know about him and when mm. things start happening to him okay like i <laughs> like like i is you could even start asking, like, is he actually rich? Is he, you know, like, there's a lot of mystery about this this character, whereas Tom Cruise, everything's sort of out on display. So when things start to get wacky, as they were, there's kind of more of a backdrop, and the exposition takes a lot of the mystery out. So you, it's a little bit harder to start making the, that disconnect of what's real and what's not when it feels like early on a lot of 
what's happening is very much real. I mean, that feels a little bit more grounded in substance, whereas the original, okay, there's a guy, his buddy, his buddy's girl, he's at his apartment, he's, you know, he's got this, this chick he's been sleeping with, but, like, yeah, who is he? Who is this guy? Like, um, you don't have that out in your face the entire film. And I think it tonally makes the two films feel a little bit different, um, which sort of affects, for me at least, kind of the mystery or this thing that they're trying to unravel. I don't know. I kind of like in the remake because you see the wealth and everything and uh, having his business play more of an important role, acting as like kind of a red herring more than it does yeah. in the original. Because like when I first saw it, I was just like I, I like I said I'd seen the remake first, so I there's a big part of me that thought yeah maybe these guys are, you know, getting together and trying to gaslight him and just like totally just ruin his life. So I like that in the remake. I agree too that I do I do like that because it's it's very plausible like the idea that he's a 51 percent owner of the business. These guys thought that they were going to basically take the reins, and when you look at at the character building, he's been sort of entitled since he was a kid. Like he's like skating around in the uh, in the building, and like someone makes that offhand comment, like he's going to inherit the whole thing. <laughs> Did you catch that, audience? <laughs> wink, wink. Like no, I actually do agree with you that his job and the board is, is laid out there because it makes the tension make a lot of sense. So it's not just this mystery group that you've never seen like are these partners real or, or anything right i like the background the wealth makes more sense his own personal issues make more sense because his entire life he's had to deal with this board or you know the pressures of being the ceo well the pressures of being his uh father's son that that too which um is a great dynamic that gets added there so the character is far more far more fleshed out it really does help with that character. Uh, the David or Caesar, however you want, character is fleshed out. And I think the remake is very strong in that department. We'll get into this as we go through the discussion, but I think we lose some of his interplay with the other characters, maybe because the movie's a little bit busier mm-hmm. um, than the first film. But uh, I think you're right. I think that overall, I would say it's a plus. Um, I agree with you that it's a plus to flesh out the character. Because we know a little bit more about him. I, I found the original hard to watch uh, at times because he isn't a very fleshed out character. And his one character trait seems to be narcissism. I, I mean, he was just like, oh, it's my best friend's girl. I don't care. Like, That's really all I know about <laughs> That He doesn't care about like screwing over his best friend to hook up with some chick he met offhand like 15 minutes in, not even 15 minutes it's like oh saw a girl she's hot get out of the way play like, <laughs> even like earlier in the day he's like talking man i can't get girl i was like you can he's like oh well i'm gonna steal another one from you later today so yeah without really diving into uh paleo because I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that too i just found paleo to be more he just seemed like he was having a tougher time than the jason lee best friend like paleo seemed to I'm have, trying to think have of more word. of a chip on his shoulder, maybe. Jason Lee has had a bit of a chip because, like, he he's also fleshed out because he's an author. So, like, we know what he does. I don't know what Playo does. 
No. I just know that like he's he's friends with a rich guy and he does he thinks he's ugly <laughs> and he doesn't think he gets any girls. So like it felt like even shittier for uh Caesar <laughs> to take the, the girl because his friends confiding in him, he's like, Man, you've got all the luck with ladies and I, I never do. It was like Jason Lee, it, I didn't feel like he, he was like I can't get girls. He just he's just like, Oh well, clearly I've got no shot. Uh, if you're in the room, right. which to me is a different dynamic. Um, and again, to me, Caesar, seem, he just seems like such a dick. <laughs> he's just such a dick, dude. Like, yeah, I found it hard to get behind him is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I could totally see that. Which plays into the way they both handled the accident. Caesar gives up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he He gives up. Like, yeah. The one character trait we know about him isn't a character trait. It's that he's handsome. And when he loses that, he's like, life's not worth living. And like, there's there's a bit of me that's like, come on, buddy. You, there's got to be more to you than that. Don't give up, I guess. Whereas like Tom Cruise, yeah, he's, he's it affects him greatly. But there there's something slightly noble about him trying. Yeah. <laughs> he becomes a better person. After this. Yeah, he actually does work. Um, He says he found found strength he never knew he had. And he's, like, ready to take on the world pretty much in the remake. And he's, like, a little more disfigured in the remake, too. Because not only is his face messed up, but he kind of has, like, this weird... Something's wrong with his spine and his arms is, like, destroyed, too. Yeah. I I think the... uh, Yes, he's more disfigured. I think the makeup is a little bit more reasonable (laughs) in the remake. Yeah, uh, I mean, we can get into that now. Um, yeah, when he's disfigured in the remake, it still kind of looks like Tom Cruise. When he's disfigured in the original, I don't know. What, I, it's like he just bought like a Quasimodo mask and put yeah, it on or something. I know it's Hollywood budget versus sure. this, uh, Spanish production, but yeah, it's like wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like, yes, he is more disfigured, but he does look more like Tom Cruise, yeah. which leads me to kind of believe his struggle a little bit more because like all right it's the same guy and like yeah it it sucks but i appreciate the fact that he finds inner strength yeah through this he didn't just give up oh well (laughs) life's over because my looks are gone it's not like i have wealth or anything right which which makes me believe him more when uh when he is able to sort of Get back with Sophia. I believe it more yeah. because there there were steps. There was like months of like work that led him to get his confidence back in a way that sure his face is disfigured, but he didn't seem to dwell on it as hard. Which then is kind of a double edged sword because when he's the latex mask feels less necessary later in the film. I get it, I guess, because of what happened to him uh, and why he's in jail or the psych or basically why he's committed but um tom cruise's turn and his his arc from a big problem to like being better makes some of the plot lines from the original feel a little less i don't know like it make a little bit less sense but i still acceptable i get why he's wearing a mask Mm -hmm. yeah i totally get that because like we said caesar it seems like he's given up on life and He's kind of got nothing going for him at that point. So it makes sense that right. he would do this, the freezing, the cryogenic freezing and go to the dream. While as Tom Cruise, um, you know, like we said, he's his life is 
actually kind of getting better in some aspects. So it's yeah. less reason for him to undergo the freezing process because it's like he found the strength, um, yeah. this new uh, this new take on life, so to speak. Sure. And it's he almost could have just kept going. He didn't really have to undergo the the freezing process and go to this dream world. So yeah, I, it does uh, sort of hurt his motivation for needing to do that because he did kind of move on from it right. in the remake. But yeah, like you said, it doesn't ruin it. It's not like, well, I don't believe it at all now because he's... No, no yeah. it's, it's just I believe it less mm-hmm. and, it, yeah. you know, given his profession actually being like a media guy, I'm like, man, that's actually like kind of a badass story, you know? <laughs> rich playboy who like he figured it out. Like, his face is messed up. Like, I could still see that guy going on talk shows. I could see that guy doing, like, editorial articles and being like, this is what happened to me. I could actually see him, even despite his disfigurement, I could s- still see him hooking up with hot chicks. Because, yeah. like, he's the rich guy that, like, found the heart of gold or something like that. You know, <laughs> I think it m- may have helped him. <laughs> yeah, it could be this, like, inspirational figure for people who've gone through the same thing you know yeah. you could totally take life in a new direction with this but the yeah. uh, the caesar just seemed like well fuck it's over which again the 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 sort of inciting incident going into being committed makes more sense for that character but again it makes more sense for also bad reasons again that's another double-edged sword you're such a narcissistic dick that like you couldn't handle not being handsome, right. and it led you to do terrible things. <laughs> I it, not very endearing, <laughs> and and honestly, I wish he was a little bit less shallow of a character because it was hard to sort of get up for the story at times uh, watching the original film. Whereas the remake, I don't want to gloss over this because I think I. I I might be glossing over the fact that as interesting and flesh out as the character is, it's insane. <laughs> Tom Cruise is, is like, he is lean. And he, this is the most Tom Cruise he's ever been in a film. Says it's uh, one of his far, favorite roles. I, I if not his it, favorite. He, yeah. You know, it seemed like he was having a lot of fun, which also, again, from a motivation standpoint, kind of hurts <laughs> um, the film compared to the original where it's like the original is like, it's over. I suck. I, I'm ready to kill myself. It's Tom Cruise is like, woo, I'm <laughs> <laughs> in the psych ward, man. <laughs> he's cracking jokes, even though he's like uh, accused of murder. Like he, he seems to be um, like, to me, this feels like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're very close to that at this point in time. So well, that makes sense because, like, I'm just like this dude is there. He's right on that edge. <laughs> yeah, he's life. right on the edge of it. <laughs> but going back to your point, uh, I I guess I could see sort of what you're talking about. Like the remake, they fleshed him out a little bit more, and they gave him some more stuff to do, and they gave you reasons to sort of root for him, which yeah. is good. You know, as an audience member watching it, because you need a reason to sort of cheer for the character. But it does hurt the story. I guess the motivations for the story. Um, as like we talked about before, so even though Caesar's a dick, it works more with the story because narcissism would sort of drive somebody to do what he did more than like sort of Tom Cruise seems like he's moved on from just being a narcissist. Yeah, it's like if you if you watch him independently, you're probably not gonna 
it's it's not going to come on your radar, but if you have the backdrop of the original film, it's like, well, this one makes more sense than that one. But it's not like like we mentioned, it's not like a deal breaker. Yeah. It's just like, well, adding some of this stuff, which is overall a positive, in my opinion, and I think you said that as well. Um, it does sort of weaken some of the other storylines, but I think it's a decent enough trade off that if you if you really want to split hairs, I can I can definitely see how you can complain about it. But like I would say, I would rather have the character I know more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to root for, you know. Yeah, because because I mean, a lot of the time I spent watching the original um, because I knew we were going to be watching both films. I was like. How does Tom Cruise tackle this? That was the question that I asked a lot more than being sort of invested um, in the character because there wasn't really much there for me to go off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just going back to like Tom Cruise's David being a little nicer, like even uh, when he's talking to Tibbs about taking control of the company, Tibbs is like, you got to start playing dirty, David. And then it's like, no, I'm just just a nice, good-looking guy. You know, I can't, can't do that. So yeah. he's really not that big of a dick i mean he does steal sophia still and still a bit of a narcissist but he's not as big as a dick as he could be i agree and i think um i guess we can start kind of going to some the other characters from here but um the the sophia snag as it were like that that stealing the guy's girl doesn't feel as shitty in the remake to me um uh, it's obviously still a dick move. It's your mm-hmm. best friend, and you know he brought this girl to a party. But again, because there's not as much of that banter back and forth about <laughs> you're handsome, I'm not. Like again, Jason Lee, we know what he does. Um, maybe they say what Playo does, but I really don't know what he does. I don't think they do. So, so it's like you've got Paleo who's just um blah. You know, like he's, <laughs> like he's just his. Again, his character trait is I'm your friend. <laughs> yep. You know, um, and I, and I think I'm I'm an uggo. <laughs> um, whereas like Jason Lee, they both, you know, they they snap back and forth. And Jason Lee gets, from what I can tell, he, like he hooks up with women. He just not when Tom Cruise is around. Yeah. But I think I think that's built in when you're hanging out with a, a billionaire <laughs> playboy. You know, like I think that it's probably a a mutually sort of beneficial relationship for him. So yeah. like, yeah, I might not get this girl, but I'm still hanging out with the rich guy. There's hot actresses and Olympians around. So like, I, I'll, uh, for lack of a more politically correct terms, like I, the sloppy seconds or like the, the, the breadcrumbs, like he'll, he's doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of alluded to in the remake too, because, uh, early in the movie, they're talking about, uh, Julie Gianni, Cameron Diaz's character in the car, and he's like, "Man, I would love to get with her." And then later at the birthday party, you see him kind of, you know, going in. Now that David's yeah. moved on to Sophia, now it's time for Brian to play a little bit with the leftovers. You do see that. You yeah. do see that. So yeah. he's not doing too bad in the the remake. Which to me, it's like, all right, yeah, he's going after his friend's girl, but like, it it seemed more like par for the course, and it wasn't. It didn't feel as malicious, whereas, like, yeah. in the other film, you're almost immediately, like, that scene is almost immediately following him, sort of bearing his soul to his best friends. Like, yeah. uh, it's just it's not working out for me. And, like, the dream girl line gets thrown out there. 
I don't believe the Dream Girl line as much from Jason Lee. You know, like yeah. I just I just don't like because <laughs> um, he is talking like you say he is talking to Julie. He he's working on his book. Like he seems to be occupied with other things. Whereas again, Playo. <laughs> This is it, man. Like, <laughs> this is all he's got. This chick's pretty hot, man. Like, could you could you let me could you let me work a little bit, buddy? I think um, I think part what also helps is uh, Jason Lee's reaction uh, as opposed yeah. to Paleo's reaction. Like, you could see it's it's like uh, in the original. It's almost like in The Simpsons. It's like you could see the exact moment his heart breaks right here. Yeah. <laughs> but in the yeah. in the remake. Uh, Jason Lee's Brian just like smiling like Jesus are you stop flirting already he's like yeah. come on he's, it's like it's happened before it's happening again he's like I can't believe this shit but oh well it's, it's my buddy it's what he does yeah it, which, which again I think um, Jason Lee I like the casting from the sense of a uh, personality yeah he's, Jason he's, Lee's fun he's, he's fun he's a fun guy to watch again even when things are going bad I think that's part of his appeal to like even when things are going bad He's like, ah, whatever. He's like, <laughs> the sweet ain't so sweet without the bitter, man. So he's, yeah. he, like, takes takes on, like, the negative shit. He's like, yeah, I love this. So when shit's good, I'm really going to appreciate it. Unlike you, who said everything yeah. good. It's like he's got these weird ways of spinning his life. Uh, just yeah. to not look miserable around his friend who has everything. Which, again, I think is a major difference between the two, two films. Uh, Tom Cruise is able to handle his problems. In a reasonable way, Jason Lee is able to handle his problems in a reasonable way. And I think uh, as you're sort of talking, the word that's sort of coming to mind for me in the first film is melancholy. Like when things are (laughs) bad, these characters just embrace it. It's dark. It's raining. This is I loved her. I met her for 20 minutes, but that was it, man. That was the one girl that was going to like change my life. And in the remake, it's like, eh, I'm rich, you're an author, like, whatever, man. <laughs> Which, again, I, as an audience, cool. <laughs> Thank you for giving me something to work with. But, again, if we're going one-to-one on the films, the motivations and some of the, the themes, the, the thematic nature of the film... A little bit of the the death, not death, but like a little bit of the weight mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. So I don't know. It can affect how you are interacting with the mystery. I think I'm okay with that if you're gonna give me interesting characters. Uh, like like you mentioned, Julie Gianni. Like, fuck, that's a fun character. <laughs> Like Cameron Diaz really like she ran with that role and she was great, you know. Yeah, and especially her turn in the car, like all of a sudden just going batshit mm. crazy. It was like, whoa, <laughs> she went nuts here. Like, <laughs> I don't have any of the quotes offhand, but like she's talking about like I oh, slept together four times. Yeah, she's and... like she swallowed his cum. That means yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I remember I was uh, I, <laughs> uh, my wife was like working on something on her laptop, and I was watching it on the TV. And she's like, geez. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. It's fun. So I think what we're getting at here is um, the remake so far. It's it's sort of sacrificing, um, like you said, the weight or importance of some of these plot points in order to uh, sort of have a little more fun with these characters and to make them just more interesting overall. 
you know, which is good as an audience member because, like you said, you're giving us something to work with. Um, And it it does take away a little bit, but it's, like you said, I think the good outweighs the bad. While it's taking away a little bit, it gives us more in the end. I think think if you're the type of person that is, like, all about the art, man, like, if you're, if you're, you're like a film studies guy. Like my brother-in-law. Probably, <laughs> yeah. You're, you probably hate this shit. You're probably like, oh, like, it comes Hollywood uh, ruining the, the, the big arc. Like, honestly, like, I think the storyline is confusing, which I guess can be uh, construed as compelling. But um, the characters in the original are very, very shallow. Yeah. So... I get that there's themes and you can question the big picture, which both films tries to do. And I guess those questions feel more big for those characters in the original film. But like, I mean, we're talking about a dude who like my face got fucked up and now I don't want to live. And it's like, I can't work with this guy. <laughs> I, I, I'll take the fact that a character like that makes more sense in that scenario um, I'll take the fact that we lose a little bit of that for I swallowed your cum. <laughs> like, I'll take, like, that's crazy. There's like all this nutty stuff happening that I'm perfectly okay with because the movie, both films are crazy. So you might as well just be crazy. <laughs> like, I, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, um, I agree, man. Uh, I liked it too. Like, I didn't even really think about it too much until you brought up all those points, but um yeah, I, I gravitate more towards the interesting characters with a little bit of depth more than I do, uh, I guess, overall compelling story. What's the story matter if I don't really care about the characters, you know? Yeah, I, I think that I guess you can't underestimate that star power. Like, the ability for Tom Cruise yeah. to, uh, in a good way, chew up, chew up so much of the scenery. And, like, he takes all the oxygen out <laughs> of the room. I think that that can sort of hurt the big themes because you're, you're looking at this guy more than you're thinking about what's the movie trying to say, <laughs> but, um, fuck it. <laughs> Let's run with it, man. And then you made a great point too, that this is around the time that we're jumping on couches. So we're, we're right in this, this peak. This is a, a, a moment in time. Where we get to see Tom Cruise being, like I said earlier, as, as Tom Cruisey as he could possibly be. This, <laughs> I, I like I said, I've never seen the film, but after seeing it, I'm like, wow, that's this is the movie he was born to to play. Well, uh, I don't want to get too off track here, but he's the reason it got the remake got made. He had seen the original and mm-hmm. immediately was like, I need to get this movie made. And he had obviously he was going to star in it if he's going to get it made. So he's the one that got it going, and he found the part that was perfect for him. And yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. It's a pretty good part for him. I mean, like when I'm watching the original. And I'm looking at sort of uh, Caesar's just demeanor and like what he looks like. I'm like, yeah, he kind of looks like Tom Cruise. I'm like, he's kind of got like, they have similar ish features. I'm like, eh, I could see, I think the casting is good here, but I didn't know that Tom Cruise casted himself. <laughs> he's just like sitting at home with like his private like DVD collection. Like, they're pretty good. <laughs> for, for that to be the story, because clearly the budget was serious like yeah. this this was not a low budget film oh yeah we're talking all. about Tom shutting Cruise. down Times square I, I, 
I can't do that. Can you do that, Reggie? I, I can't do that. <laughs> and I mean, at the time, and uh, we're I guess we'll talk about her next, but like Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Jason Lee, maybe not as much, but like still, you got you got to break out the checkbook for some of these people. Yeah. For Tom Cruise to effectively make a phone call to a producer somewhere, and then you get a whole ass movie. That's that's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Again, the uh, the artsy fartsy types would say that. Maybe some of the messaging is lost in the translation, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> Speaking about lost in translations, um, <laughs> Sophia. Sophia. Portrayed by Penelope Cruz and Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Where do you want to start I, with her? One film's in Spanish. <laughs> in English. No, I, I felt the character was deeper in the original. Okay. It, it, it kind of in the in an inverse way, whereas like in general the characters feel like they're getting upgraded in this film. I think some of the changes in the remake sort of downplay her character. Okay. Um, again, I think "Open Your Eyes" or "Abre Los Ojos" is effectively an art film when you really break it down, and it's heavy-handed. But her character is damn. She's a mime. <laughs> She's a mime, you know. She's an like actress. She, um, an actress. And that might just be like a street gig she's doing. Sure, but again, these characters aren't fleshed out. So uh, <laughs> as far as I know, she's a mime. <laughs> and this could be, we've talked about this before with films, subtitles and reading things versus hearing mm -hmm. the words out loud and like maybe I'm making inferences from what I think I'm reading and what I think I'm seeing. Um she just feels a little bit more natural, mysterious, which I think adds to the film, the original, which I think mystery gets the, the big upgrade in the original and it's downplayed in the remake. But like, I, again, you don't know much about her. So it, it makes sense when Caesar is like, he's kind of obsessed with her because he's trying to figure out what's going on with her. And it just feels, it feels more personal. There's, there's her cat, there's her, her little apartment. Those moments felt a little bit realer to me than in the remake. I think that, unfortunately, part of it is because, as I say, her English isn't <laughs> that great. It doesn't feel smooth and natural, the interactions. It feels like they're, they're trying to communicate across cultures, which mm -hmm. they are. Right. You know, a little bit easier to see two people from the same background, same culture, getting along with each other versus Penelope Cruz, who, again, it's the same character, but it's not. Right. It's not. I can see what you're saying. Um, even though, you know, she's speaking English, but she definitely has a pretty thick accent. This is pretty early Penelope Cruz. Might be yeah. one of her face, first major roles. Um, and I could see, like, how is some rich playboy from New York going to sort of be enamored with this girl who's, I don't want to say like poor English, but she has this pretty thick accent that like yeah. might be not as endearing to, to someone yeah. with with that status. So I I could see what you're saying though. I mean, like especially in this remake, he's the type of guy that I could see sort of jet setting. Like like I said, there's like women snowboarder like Olympians yeah. in his house. Like yes in the original film we know he's a playboy and he's a bit of a womanizer but like it's on full display in the remake 
people flying in from like the Alps and other places and like he's met all these different types of women. It takes a lot for you to believe mm-hmm. that just because she's hot, which she, she is, and she's got a great personality. Like I'm not saying she doesn't. She wouldn't have to be so out of this world for that type of guy to be like, this is the one. Right. Whereas in the original, the stakes are lower. <laughs> you know, it's like he's rich, mm-hmm. but... Exactly. We don't know how rich. We don't know how exactly which international women he's getting or whatever. Right. So, like, when a stunning woman comes into his apartment and he they're interacting, I get that. Tom Cruise, I mean, for lack of a better word, I'm not trying to be the dick here, but, like, you think it's kind of a little bit more of, like, sport for him. I get that he might like her, but, like, I never really got the vibe that this was the girl of his dreams. I didn't I didn't feel that the same way I felt that in the original. Yeah. I, I, could, I could totally see where you're coming from. And I think part of it, problem with the remake, is that he's not only just trying to get with Sophia, but he's trying to not get with Cameron Diaz at the same time. So yeah. not to knock the uh, side girl, Nuria, in the original, but like Penelope Cruz was significantly better looking than her. While you go Cameron yeah. Diaz versus Penelope Cruz, they're kind of equal. So, yeah. And it almost seemed like, I mean, it, it did, he did get along with uh, Julie Gianni pretty well in the remake. As opposed to the Nuria and the original, where he didn't like, didn't seem to like yeah. her at all. But he definitely seemed to like Cameron Diaz. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like this girl, this Sophia who comes along, she there has to be something incredibly special about her to make him right. forget that he has this other beautiful, amazing woman that wants him. You know, like we said, I think we took, we still take this as a net positive, but it is for the one-to-one story. It's a weakness. You actually see him interacting with Julie Gianni in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. which you don't see him interact with Nuria. You just mm-hmm. he's talking to his friend. He's like, "Oh yeah, I hooked up with that girl again." It was like twice. My God, like you never hook up with a woman twice. Mm-hmm. You see Cameron Diaz kind of like in him throwing lines against yeah. uh, off each other, uh, interacting really well. And like I, in a way, especially like when he gets in the car. As opposed to the first film where he's like, ah, okay, I'll get in the car for the sex, I guess. <laughs> I guess, if I gotta. Uh, if I need to. <laughs> There's still that vibe in chemistry with him and Julie. So it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of you, but like, it would be like anyone in a relationship like that where it's like, he's weighing his options. He's like, well, what do I like about her? What do I mm-hmm. don't about the other one? So it, it, you can still see them ending up together even though this other woman's been introduced into the film um he is protesting he's like i don't want to i don't want to hook up with her i'm trying to get away from her but like not really (laughs) you know like it feels like he's playing both sides as best as he can which makes sense for that (laughs) character you know like why not like no one's asking him to get locked down um i guess really julie's biggest character flaw for him is that she seems to want more than just the hookups, uh, which is very apparent in the car ride. <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, I, like I said, like, um, you know, t- and, and that's really taking like accent or English out of it. Like, it's really not even that per se. It's just that, like we were mentioning, I would have to see why this girl, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean, I could argue that Cameron Diaz is more forceful in the film and has more like 
you know, character and pizzazz than uh, than what we're seeing from Sophia in general. Like, um, I also think of that as weird. This is a this is an offshoot, but I think it's weird that Tom Cruise has doors with peepholes inside. Of- <laughs> yes, that. That was weird. I wasn't when I first saw that. I thought like, wait, did he leave his apartment and he has another apartment? No, that's another door in his apartment that has a peephole. Yes, strange, strange. Yeah, I will blame that on the set designer, but uh, <laughs> they had he had to look at her for some reason. I, I guess maybe maybe there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah. So it might not even be so much. Well, I guess it's a little bit uh, Penelope Cruz's portrayal in the remake, but I think it's just. His relationship with Julie Gianni seems almost like it should work. <laughs> like on paper, it just it looks like yeah. they look happy together. He never looks like upset when he's with her. You don't exactly right. know why he doesn't want a relationship with her. He never says anything negative about her. Right. Like in the original, Caesar's like, "Don't leave messages on my machine because it pisses me off." You know, he's like immediately just like he hates this woman. You don't know yeah. like why are you even calling her. But, like, yeah, you kind of like Cameron Diaz in the remake. And you, like, you do need, like, Penelope Cruz does need to kind of have that it factor to make us forget that Cameron Diaz is even there. And, uh, yeah, she maybe just misses the mark a little bit. Yeah. Like like you said, uh, not, not, like you said before, not to shit on, like, the Nuria character. But, like, when Penelope Cruz is introduced in that film compared to everybody else, she is stunning yes like there there is no comparison out there which i think um besides her being a great actress um uh that's one of the reasons she's was one of the hottest things in hollywood for so long because people saw her and like holy shit that's an attractive <laughs> woman um you she you gotta compete with cameron diaz who had her own uh big viral moments like she was america's sweetheart to an extent yeah. Like, we all remember the Charlie's Angels scene with the underroos and stuff like that. <laughs> like, Cameron Diaz is hot, man. And in a different film, you, you could almost see this being like, like, I could see the rom-com where Caesar's trying to get rid of Julie and he's, he has a tryst with this other girl, but then they come back together because they have that thing, you know? Like, they seem to have that thing a little bit more than, um, than Sophia in this. Like, I... We're seeing the same scenes, but when you start adding some of these characters, you start adding some of this backdrop. I'm not getting the same vibe, man. Yeah. So, um, not a, not really a knock on her. Uh, no. She just it's just less. I mean, it's not less that she's doing. It's just there's more going on. So, you know, uh, I I don't I don't buy it as much in the remake. Yeah. Um, so I agree with a lot of that stuff. They did kind of, like, I guess expand on her character a little bit more in the remake. I Mm -hmm. sort of, even though we're still saying that it's it's not as strong in certain aspects of it, just because it's Cameron Diaz, they kind of showed more of Sophia not in the dream sequence that made me believe that she really did love David, as opposed to the original where you don't, you don't really know if Sophia felt exactly the same way as uh, Caesar did. Um, you get the, even like early in the film, like after their first night meeting, like you just get a shot of like Penelope Cruz, like just like all giddy in her apartment, just like so happy. And then you get her again at the end of the film when everything's explained to David. And then she like showed up at the, 
the memorial service and she's like heartbroken because she really did fall in yeah. love with david so she was I, I i know it's kind of like cheesy like of course she loved him just like he loved her but i, I kind of like that in the remake yeah, that, no. that she was really hurting and that the two of them probably could have worked it out if uh he didn't undergo cryo freezing and kill himself yeah. and shit I think I think you may I think you make a good point. Um, once you start getting away from the Julie relationship, you're right. As you're getting later into the film, they interact more, like you mentioned, um, because he does still have the will to live. They start <laughs> to kind of uh, start to kind of make a life together that you don't get in that original film. So you're you're absolutely right. Um, in the original film, he loves Sophia because he says he does. Um, and, you know, she loves him because she says she does. But, like, you're right that we get to see that more in the remake. So um, it is a much more believable love story in that sense that he picks himself back up and he's starting to make a life and she's helping him along in that journey. That's what people that like each other would do. <laughs> And also, I guess, there's a slight difference in the reaction to the disfigurement yes. between the two films. So we yeah. should talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So uh, I'll just set it up here. In the original, he's just driving and randomly sees this mime, and he can tell it's Sophia. And he right. just sort of stares at her for hours in the rain. Yes. And then they talk. As opposed to the remake, where he kind of shows up in her ballet rehearsal or class or whatever and he's a little charming he's you know yeah. like finally a good hair day i did the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did the, the tom cruise <laughs> yeah, disfigured face um so uh it's not as bitter or sad in the remake as it right. is in the original i agree and she's kind of pissed she's like where have you been <laughs> like like where, where's the phone calls mm -hmm. and uh which again leads to the fact that like believe that these two people like each other mm -hmm. you know he, he tom cruise you can forgive him because he took some time for himself that's understandable to get his shit together i could see a woman being like okay i get i wanted you around but you weren't because obviously this is a big major moment in your life whereas he's really pushy in the original caesar's yeah. very well, I guess you don't want to see me now. And it's like, well, geez, man. Yeah, like, like, first of all, we just met that one night. Okay. It's not like we've been going out for years. And right now you're coming at me strong here with that face that uh, looks like a mask. <laughs> nah, totally like a mask. <laughs> but it's like, it, it's kind of fucked up because, you know, he implies a lot of his problems. You know, he's like, well, it must be because I'm ugly now that you want to talk to me. It's like, well, just because you had kind of a decent night when you guys were drinking doesn't mean. She really even went, was going to hang out with you again. You're just yeah. assuming because you hook up with everybody. Yeah, it's much more forceful. He's like, caught, he almost guilt, he guilts her into the, totally, the date. Totally, totally guilt her. In the original, well, he's just like, "Well, you can go out with me then if, if you don't feel that way." And then he like walks away, and she's like, "Fine, I'll go out with you." As yeah. opposed to the remake, where he's like, "You want to go out?" She's like, "Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Let's let's pick it up where we left off." She's like all about it in the remake. Yeah, so, the, yeah. again, just showing me that she really does care for him in right. the remake as opposed to the original. Where she's like, I don't know. We had one night, but you're ugly now. I don't know. Again, the the strength of the remake is these characters aren't beholden to these very simple character traits. Mm -hmm. They're, there's more to them. So when he's like, well, I guess you're not going to see me because I'm ugly. And it's like, well, 
man, fuck. No, I don't see you because you're, you're like, you came to my job. <laughs> <laughs> you're staring at me in the rain. You could talk. You know I can't, motherfucker, but you could say something. Yeah. She she has, like you said, more of that quasi-motor reaction. Like, she she treats him more like a monster um, in the original film. Like, she's taken aback by him often, which, again, it makes more sense that Paleo is brought on a date because right. he's like, look, this guy's creeping me out. <laughs> Could you please, like, stick around? And based on what we see in the film, her instincts are absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy is unhinged and he might hurt you. <laughs> And you, you feel that. Again, it makes more sense for the story that they're telling that she's, like, completely taken aback by him. And mm-hmm. that it causes a lot of his reactions. Like, I'm going to wear the mask. I'm going to, yeah. like, I, I can't be seen. Whereas in the remake, you know, if he, he's kind of wearing the mask. felt like more like a goof than, like, he needed it. Yeah. Re- it wasn't, it didn't make as much sense to me. Like we said, she sort of was accepting of him in the remake. So it didn't make sense that he needed to wear it. I didn't get this it, so much that he was wearing his goof. I got it. He was wearing his goof later when he's drunk, but yeah, I don't yeah. know why he's initially wearing it to the club. If she already had seen him and was yeah. sort of seemed happy to see him as opposed yeah. to the original where she's like, uh, your butt ugly. Can you, can you do something about that? Oh, great. A mask. Great. <laughs> I guess like he, he interacted with people. I guess he may, maybe at that point he's still hiding his face from the board, but I, I think that that's true. Given, given the nature of his job, given the nature of how he fit into sort of high society, I would be hard pressed to think that in two thousand one, uh, sort of billionaire, sort of playboy that got into a horrific car accident in New York and was like a socialite would be able to hide his face from page six for that long. Right. You know, like I think that maybe he was trying to protect himself on that front. Again, I'm just implying that it really has nothing to do with the movie. He seemed to be okay with being outside with a screwed up face. And it didn't seem like they still had the same scene where it was like, oh, fix your face, man, which yeah. is crazy in both films. But <laughs> it didn't seem like he needed it. Yeah. But uh, whatever. It's just not one of those times like, oh, he didn't need it, but whatever. Like, I, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not a big deal either way. Yeah. It's, it goes back to that thing where it's. I guess because the original gives us less with these characters that it that's sort of stronger for the story that he has this mask and while it's not as necessary in the remake it still works but yeah. i like the character more so i'll go with it more sure. and just sure. uh kind of talking about uh sophia again they when he gets drunk he has that con- sort of reenacts the first conversation they had he's like excuse me miss uh there's a woman here in the original he does it and she's like terrified yeah, she's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Please, you're, you're really yeah. scaring me. In the remake, she's like, she starts playing along, which yeah. it sort of reinforces that this Sophia in the remake really does care about David as opposed to the original Sophia. Yeah, I, I mean, more or less, when you're watching the original film, he loses his humanity when he loses his face. Mm-hmm. She doesn't treat him the same. She's actually afraid of him, not just because of how he's acting, but because of how he looks. So it does play into his his fears. Mm-hmm. I think he's making it worse. <laughs> but you could make the argument that it's kind of from his perspective, this is how people are going to treat him. I mean, you're seeing it on film, but like this, again, is a type of film with the unreliable narrator, as it were, because there is some mystery and right. things happening that aren't happening or maybe they are. You can make the argument that this is him 
reading into this a little bit, but she is terrified of him because he's acting like a terrifying person. I wouldn't want to be around that guy. Yeah, in the remake, Tom Cruise, you're right. He he never really loses the charm. Yeah. Even when he's drunk, he's like he's like I said, she was playing along with him when he's yeah. sort of drunk. It's, it's so which kind of weakens sort of that turn that happens that night at the club where she's like running away see. and then his friend Brian wants to leave him. It's like, well, you guys were kind of having fun. I don't where did it mm-hmm. turn into a bad night for you guys where you just want to abandon uh this guy who's clearly acting getting drunk and doing this cry for help and he kind of could use both of you right now but you're yeah. both kind of just leaving him so that was weaker i mean i still bought it because nobody yeah. likes a drunk sure. like that but uh yeah that's there's just what i thought about it yeah yeah no i agree that um the motivation like i said a little bit weaker but it's still believable mm-hmm. it's fine which makes there's that turn, but then the big turn, I guess we can start talking about this, the big turn that sort of leads to some of the violence that we see in the two films, much more like you see the ramp up in the original film to that, that you don't quite see in the remake. Like he's freaking out because he's seeing things that maybe aren't there or are there. In the original, this guy seems like he could be violent right there in the club. So when he becomes violent, and you get to actually see that on screen in that movie, very much different than the remake, which I think it has that same sort of sequence, but it feels like more of more of almost like a jump cut. It's like, all right, we're at this part of the film now because we're supposed to be, as opposed to that little ramp up of like, this guy is unhinged right now and could be violent. Whereas Tom Cruise, I thought he was handling it a little bit better until the moment where he thinks he's seeing... Uh, Julie. I don't think in the remake he actually gets as violent as he does in the original. No, not at all. Yeah, not you all. actually see him hit, uh, I guess, Nuria in the original, but you never see him hit Julie. He even says he never did that when he's shown pictures of her, like all her face all beaten up. Right. So he never really gets violent as far as we know as an audience member. I mean, he does sort of bound her, but he never, um, we never see the physical violence up until the yeah. murder. Um, but you do see a lot of the physical violence from Caesar in the original. Sure. I took the uh, I took the violence um, in the photo at face value. We'll just put it. What do you mean? Um, I I just uh, instead of instead of being like, well, maybe it happened or it didn't happen. I just for my viewing, I accepted that he did something violent to her. Oh, because showing him photos. I I, I I saw it as like. Wait, I, I didn't do that. I, I really didn't do that because I, I believed him when he said I didn't do that to her. I yeah, like this is shit's happening and he doesn't he can't explain it. So I was I just went with that. That's that's how I interpreted it. I mean, I think that uh, it's the type of film where yeah, sure, sure. I'm like I wouldn't strongly argue in either direction to be honest because like uh, it's the type of film where yeah, may, maybe. Um, and especially since when you see Julie later, which is pretty much either that point. day or later that, or the next day, like her face is fine. So I feel like just shit's just weird shit's just happening and you can't explain it. That's actually interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think that that's a fair interpretation. I didn't really think about that side of it. Uh, I, t- again, maybe it's because it's my first time watching films and sort of viewing them and comparing them. I just took the violence to be like, okay, Hollywood doesn't want to show Tom Cruise hitting a woman. Um, but no, you're right. Like, there is that element where, like, 
I think in both films, though, right? Like, in the original, like, I don't think you, other than... He does hit her. You do see him hit her. No, I, and then she's I mean, got I mean no, he definitely hits her, but, yeah. like, uh, she does, I think she does recover as well in that original film. She might, know? but I don't know if her, I don't think we had, like, a mug shot, mug shot of her all bruised, like, uh, in the remake. I, I can't recall if that. No, no I mean, I think you see, like, a black eye at some point. Oh, okay. Um, but, like... It's hard to say. And again, we're splitting hairs at that point yeah. anyway. Um, no, you're right. Like, the violence is seen in the original film. The violence may not even exist in the remake, as yeah. you said. So, um, big, big stark difference there that sort of makes a difference until, which, again, to your point, actually, in that situation, yeah, you do see him, like, kill her at the end, but, like, Again, does he? Right. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. like it's that type of film. Good point, man. I didn't. I didn't really. Uh, I didn't key in on that. I just sort of took it as I watched it as a literal scene versus uh, potentially not. You know, potentially right. not real. Yeah, I I believed him when he said he didn't do it. So that's how I interpreted that he didn't really do it. And then maybe it was the Seven Dwarves until I realized what the ending was. Speaking of the Seven Dwarves. What do you think about the, that inclusion? Uh, we kind of touched upon this a little earlier. I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. I know they're just kind of the red herring. It's like, what's happening? It's got to be the Seven Dwarves. I like that inclusion. Like I yeah. said, I'd seen the remake first. So when I first watched it, I wasn't sure it was happening. And I totally fell for it. Like, yeah, this is the those seven guys and his company just trying to yeah. make They're gaslighting him. They're making him go crazy. And then yeah. they're going to steal the company from him. So I liked that. I liked um, the Tibbs character, this guy that was like, would fight for David no matter what. I thought that was a great addition. Yeah. So I liked all of that, and uh, yeah. So like I said, I then I watched the original. I was kind of bummed that there wasn't that character, especially the Tibbs character. I was kind of bummed yeah. that there was sort of this uh, loyal friend that was not in the movie. The cool thing about like that type of loyal friend is. For a film like this, it's a grounding character. Yeah. It's a character that sort of you can more or less, as again, the movie itself is an unreliable narrator. He seems to be a reliable source of what's actually happening. Yeah, he um, seems to be like constant. He's This is what he is and nothing's going to change about this guy. You know where he is exactly the whole time. Right. I thought that was cool. Another Another sort of character set that we didn't even get into yet, which is we're going to have to as a psychiatrist. Oh, yes. We have uh, Antonio versus McCabe. Where should we start with these guys? Antonio, I can see from your your notes that uh, that you have almost like a doctor versus a father figure note here. Mm-hmm. And Antonio does give me that very personal vibe that he he's he's starting to believe Caesar, even despite like knowing that it doesn't make sense for him to. But he's like, you know what? You've compelled me to believe in you. I, I like a lot of those Antonio scenes. And I think Antonio actually is so helpful in that film to make anything make sense. Yeah, you know? of course. I think, I think if you take him out of the equation, I, I'm not sure what I'm watching, which leads to a scene that we'll see later where he starts to question his own existence. That uh, That's a major, major moment in the film. It's not um, not there in the remake, or at least not to the same extent. There's not that same breakdown, at least not in the, the theatrical cut. 
Kurt Russell, I don't know, for me, I would say this is one of those characters that is a downgrade for me in, in the remake. I mean, I guess I could see why you're saying that, because he doesn't really add too much to it, um, except maybe more towards the end. He does talk about his family more, I think, yeah. in the remake. Um, so wait, when you said there's no breakdown at the end of the remake, where were you... Like, he doesn't have, like, this realization that he's not real or something? or He, he does, but, like, I mean, when you watch Antonio's reaction, it, he he's frantic. You know, he's, like, absolutely frantic. And I, I think that McCabe, though it's still a major reveal for him, you're not seeing the same, and maybe a bit of it is melodrama in the original, but, like, you're not seeing the same exact reaction to, uh... Yeah. I think it's played more for laughs, kind of, in the remake. Yeah, He's like, I I have two daughters, and you know that. What are their names? I'm real. I'm real. (laughs) I I got a big laugh out of that when I first saw that. So, I think, uh, yeah, I think, especially the end, McCabe's sort of a little relief, a little comic relief, because you're just, like, you've gone through this fucking crazy-ass fucking story, and (laughs) I appreciated having a laugh there. Um, But... I guess ultimately they're kind of the same character other than that. So for me, I didn't really think one was necessarily better than the other. I think they're just kind of the same, except that McCabe's just a little funnier at the end. Yeah, I can see that. I I think that um, maybe it's the actor in this particular situation. I think that uh, for me, Antonio is a much more grounding figure. And I also think that when you see that last sequence, it's much more involved in the original with the the shooting and yeah. uh, some of the other things that are happening. So uh, I guess w- what I mean by by his character by the end, it's a bit of a ro- emotional roller coaster for that character that you don't see for uh, McCabe. McCabe's just like, oh, like you said, I'm real. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, it is funny. Trust me, it is funny. But uh, when I'm looking at Antonio, I mean. He's gone from he he got him uh, <clears throat> into Ellie. He has this crazy reveal. They run outside. There's like a, a shoot all shootout. He protects him in in the shootout. Like tries to keep him alive, which in the context of the dream world per se is actually a character design. Like he's he's actually helping sort of the host, as it were, the dream host. And then in the end, when he He's realizing that he doesn't have his daughters. I mean, the guy's like in tears, like he's breaking down, and he's like, "I am real." Like this, this is all like crazy. This is bullshit. It's just uh, the actor. I think gets to do a little bit more in the scene, but uh, you could also make the argument that it's very over dramatic and over yeah. the top. Well, it's a little so heavy. I can see that. Yeah, you had sort of mentioned the shootout, which does not exist in the remake. Did you think? Uh... The remake needed that shootout. Not or at all. Were you okay with? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Um. Too too much. Two different films. Yeah. Um, maybe about the same thing, but they are two different films. Um. I was doing some research, and I guess they had filmed that. Yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? You don't need it. I think it's yeah. a good cut too. Um. You already kind of figuring out that this isn't real that this is the dream and mm-hmm. i just think it would have it's already a longer film the remake two hours and 15 minutes would have yeah. made it even longer and it's like come on let's just get to it already just just tell us that this is a dream just give us the official 
What, did it freeze? Okay. Just give us, you know, just tell us yeah. that this is really a dream. Don't don't drag it out any longer because we're already here. We're so close. Why are you having this action sequence? So I could see the remake sort of hurting if it included that shootout. So I'm pretty glad that they cut if, it. If, if that was there, Tom Cruise and everything, I just think it would have fallen into that wacky territory. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that the film needed that. I think they did a good job with... Some of the additions, like the video that they're watching, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, um, Tilda Swinton. There you go. I think that they do enough at LE to explain that it's a dream sequence that you don't need. Why? Why would you need? Why would you need that? Yeah. Why would you need a shootout? Like everything freezes. There's a tech support, and you know, like same thing. Like whether or not you thought you died or didn't, you still realize that you're in a dream. So. Yeah, it's a smart cut. You don't need it. But but I will say it pushed Antonio over the top for me versus McCabe Mm -hmm. because I think he got to do a little bit more and show his how he was conflicting with this realization. Kurt Russell, like I said, fits the movie, fits the vibe. Like, oh yeah, I'm real. (laughs) That that is funny. That is funny. But you know, uh, if we're edging out those two actors. Which at the end of the day is kind of inconsequential anyway. <laughs> um, um, my my money's behind Antonio in this uh, particular s- scenario. Sounds good. Where do you want to go from here? I feel like have we missed any characters? Anybody that was included or not included? Or no, I mean any other characters would have been pretty auxiliary. Like there just weren't. You got your main guys. You got your protagonists. You got your Caesars and Davids. You got the uh, the side piece, as there were, the Norias and your Julias, Sophia, and we talked about sort of the differences there in the best friend. And I guess we can talk about um, the psychiatrist, which we just did. So, like, you really don't have much more other than, I guess, the cop, which happens to be Michael Shannon. In the, <laughs> in the smallest role. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I like that. I was like, oh, shit, it's Michael Shannon. Yeah. But, like, other than that, there's nothing there for him. But, uh, I mean... At the end of the day, the the sort of what matters is Caesar and David. Mm -hmm. And what matters is what's going on in their lives. Like none of this to a certain point is real. And you get to see how that how their minds start to kind of tear apart Mm -hmm. uh, from this realization. The the motivation makes more sense in the original, but Mm -hmm. Like we mentioned, so what? Because the motivation is I'm a dick. <laughs> like, I want to freeze myself because maybe in 2245, someone could fix my face. And it's like, you probably should have just, at some point, just accepted that this is what you look like now. You got a boatload of money. I'm sure you could figure things out, uh, even looking the way you, you do. Which at least Tom Cruise's character took a stab at it, you know? Yeah. Do you want to maybe talk about the, the Lucid Dreams itself? Because it's sort of different in the remake I, uh, a little bit. They sort of touch upon at the end uh, what influences a lot of the things in his dream. They never sure. really go into that in the original. Yeah, so in the remake, uh, a lot of what makes up the Lucid Dream is sort of uh, stuff from tom cruise or david's life like the art was made up yeah. from the monet sky or vanilla sky painting and like a lot of the uh characters like the mccabe right. characters based yeah. off of uh 
what's that guy's name from To Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, Atticus Finch. Yeah, Atticus Finch. It's built off of him. Even uh, Sophia's personality is based on a movie character. What do you think about all that stuff? I think I think that that is a good addition. I think that when you're making a film in the 2000s, that pop culture and its influence on our mind is a perfectly fine subject matter to uh, to dwell on. It adds substance to the lucid dreams uh, to an extent, but ultimately doesn't change much. It's, it's almost uh, it's almost not a throwaway, but it's like, oh, by the way, this was based off of some pop culture. So again, from a viewer standpoint, you may be able to infer and read some things into it, but I, I don't think that it's a major departure. Um, it's just kind of an interesting aside to to me, at least. I just uh, I liked the inclusion of it, and I just I think it maybe maybe gives David's character maybe a little more depth that he wasn't mm-hmm. just like about anything. He's like, this is kind of what I like, and this is what I want. So you get to know a little bit more about him and what makes him tick. So yeah. I thought it was a cool little sort of well, side note about the movie. To that point, um, when you're talking about death for that character, it fits in line because he. This is what raised him. His father didn't. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So like that, that is a nice little bow that you can put at the end of the movie. That like, this is the result of an absentee father and being put in a situation, and how trauma affected the mind of this person, and this is the reaction that he had when. I mean, there's a little bit of the science fiction in it with crowd freezing but like it's very much based on a a human sort of a idea of like nature versus nurture yeah good point good point there i don't know if you want to talk about anything else i was thinking maybe a little bit about the ending slightly different in the remake how we got to see um sort of a ps scene of like this is what happened to the people in your life after you died what did you think about the inclusion of that in the remake Again, I like that they flesh out the other characters. I like that they're that they took the time to build these characters out. I just think of it as a modern film. Again, let's put a bow on everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for indulging us for this runtime. Uh, we to me, it felt like we respect your time, and here's here's something that you can leave with uh, with these characters and. and I appreciate it. Um, kind of like I like that Jason Lee and um, Sophia. Like we get we get more there. Um, I'm glad that they did it. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. I it it definitely felt like well, here's what the characters are, and let's yeah, let's wrap it up nicely, a nice little package for you. But I liked it. <laughs> I very much yeah. liked it. Um, like I said, I like that you see Sophia like all like sad at the funeral. That scene that gets me choked up personally. <laughs> that little scene. Um, so yeah, as Hollywood as it might be to include that, I I like it. And like you said, we had to go on this crazy ride, so it's nice to get some closure for other characters too. Yeah, yeah. I think like when you look at the original, it feels like uh, the writer and the directors. It's it's their vision. Um, you know, I don't think that the same sort of consideration of who's going to be watching the film is in play there. Cause uh, I don't think that they looked at it like a big Hollywood budget film. It was like, this is my maybe probably like a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the remake, look, it, 
I'm glad you let me do this art piece as Tom Cruise, but like we gotta, you know, it's a blockbuster film. He's a star. He's got to get butts in the seat, and he respects the source material enough while also respecting the audience that he's hoping yeah. to get enough. And uh, I, I don't think there's anything negative with wrapping it up the way they did. Nope, not at all. Um, I don't know if you. I saw you had a note about music. I don't know if you wanted to talk music. I don't have much. I, I, I don't really have too much. Um, I guess uh, just a couple things. A, I like the soundtrack and the remake a lot. <laughs> um, I do I like, like the soundtrack. I liked it um, when I first saw it, and then watching it again, I was just like, yeah, man, I like that. It was music. Uh, and uh, the other thing is sort of um, the way it was edited sometimes, the music. It mm. definitely helped with the crazy vibe going on. There's a lot of weird cuts, especially the one scene um, where he's in bed with Sophia slash Julie. Like the music is just kind of this weird collage of noise. You know, everything's off kilter. Like you don't know what the hell is happening. So I thought that, that was sure. pretty cool in the remake. Um, other than that, I really have too many things to say about the music again my wife was around during some of the filming and you know certain songs would come on and she'd be singing along to them and stuff so they were recognizable songs um that also fit what you're seeing on screen so again back to the point of pop culture they use pop culture in yeah. the film in a way that um you don't get in the original and it's it's not beating you over the head it's there and it fits so yeah I think the remake does a good job with its song choice. It fits really well, and it kind of comes all together at the very end when you realize that how much pop culture has influenced uh, the journey we've been on anyway. So it's yeah. as much as it might be like kind of marketing, like selling stuff, yeah. but it, it works with the plot. It, it They do figure out a way to make it work, not just to sell uh, all these songs and everything. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the little pop culture montage at the end is, is lovely. I, I oh, think it's That's great. It's, I love it. Very well done. I think we've talked about everything there is to talk about with these two films, Reggie. There's only one more thing to talk about. Should this remake exist? Yeah, I, I struggled. Um, I probably should have spaced out the films a little bit for myself because I struggled with the original um, elements of it with, as I said, the protagonist is a dick. Um, <laughs> so it was hard for me to get behind him. And, um, you know, at times I got bored because of, the shallow motivation. Uh, the film was perfectly fine, so I had no problem with watching it other than those minor gripes. But when the remake came, I was like, all right, well, really, what, as I was watching the original, I was like, how is Tom Cruise going to take on this character? And that was what I was watching to see. And I, I love what he did with the character. He he made it his own. He They modernized it. They made it bigger than you saw in the original. It, the scope of the film was much bigger. Um, some of the thematic elements of the story are lost um, as a result of making it bigger and sort of including more backstory for the characters. But overall, I mean, not a problem at all. Like, you get to see some major star power with this storyline. And like you said, the pop culture references at the end make it all sort of make more sense um, as to why this character is seeing what he's seeing. So for me, I think the remake is actually... A uh, phenomenal movie, a little long, a um, little long, so, you know, you be prepared for that. But if you know what you're getting into, great film. Glad they made it. Hmm. Like I said, I had seen the remake before I saw the original, and 
I loved this movie when I saw it. I almost said that when I was talking about when I, my first experience with it. But I absolutely am so happy this remake exists because um, I borrowed this movie from my friend Greg, uh, my console wars, my former console wars partner. He let me borrow it. And I was just like, dude, this movie's amazing. It was so good. Um, so I was kind of worried going into this comparison because like, I told you before we started, I'm a little biased towards uh, the remake. But... Um, I'm glad we had this discussion because you really helped me realize why I like it more than the original because they did really flesh out those characters and make you care about them a little bit more. Maybe sacrifice some of the um, artful details or some of the plot just a little bit. Just, you know, we lose a little bit here to gain a lot more here, uh, which is, uh, I'm fine with that. So, um, yeah, if you're going to watch one of these movies, I definitely, actually, I recommend watching the remake over the original, because I think it's uh, just overall, it's just a tighter, better film. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't want to outright say I don't like the original, but uh, in a lot of ways, I don't. <laughs> um, there's some uh, there's some interesting scenes. I think that, uh, especially like the mime stuff, the rain, like there's some interesting shots and uh Again, the whole story obviously is based off that original film, so yeah. th- there's your framework. But if you're gonna watch one, watch the remake. Yeah, you'll have more fun. Yeah, you have more fun. I mean, you'd said it before. It's the star power really just like elevates the movie so much. It might seem like a stupid thing to say, but yeah, it, it does. <laughs> there's a reason why certain people are stars because man, they're they're fucking a lot more fun to watch. Absolutely. So Reggie, um, what do you think we should do for the next episode? We've been watching a lot of more artistic films lately. Well, mixed mixed bag, but I think <laughs> it's time for us to get back into that blockbuster territory. We haven't done that in a while. Um, I'm thinking a good franchise for us would be Tomb Raider. Oh, Tomb Raider, video game related too. All right. And that could be interesting too because it's not really a remake. It's sort of just a reboot. And uh, that could be some interesting territory for us to cover. So, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, I... 100% agree, because I think I think we're coming up on the point in Hollywood where we're past the remake. We're rebooting remakes now. Like, I've been watching yeah. uh, trailers. I saw a trailer today for another Ghostbusters. They rebooted the reboot. Yeah. Well, I think it, well, I think it might be a sequel to the original Ghostbusters, but not too sure. Sh- Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, fair. That's, that's one way to interpret it. But yeah, there's a lot of reboots out there, and I think that's totally fair game for what we're doing with the podcast. Absolutely. So this will be a little experiment, but there's going to be plenty of opportunity for us to explore yeah. reboots uh, down the line. Absolutely. Great. So Tomb Raider it is. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we've got nothing less to do but sign out here. So I'm Dan Bulick. You can find us. We have all new social medias, Reggie. We are all over the place. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all Retro vs. Remake. So if you want to follow us on any one of those. Uh, We're also on YouTube now, Retro vs. Remake. So if that's your thing, follow us there. And Spotify, too, right? Yeah, we're on Spotify now. Sweet. So if you have anything you want to say to us on any of those mediums, absolutely fine. Also, you can just directly contact us through email, uh, retroversusremake at gmail.com. Just one word, pretty simple, straightforward. Any uh, suggestions, any uh, comments on what you guys think or, you know, what we should do with the channel. You know, we're 
totally open to any good ideas. Absolutely, yeah. If we missed anything, definitely, or if there's even cool trivia you want to point out, it could always come back down the line in another episode. And yeah. Eventually, maybe uh, we'll do some of this stuff live. Yeah, that's definitely where we're going to go, especially uh, with the YouTube channel. We're going to start doing video of us uh, so you can see the faces behind the voices. See how it gets made. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm Dan Bulick. And I'm Reggie Parker. And thanks for listening to another episode of Retro vs. Remake.